everybody. Today you are listening to Season 1, Episode 7 of the Chasing Bravery Podcast. Today is a twofer, two speedy running chicks in one episode. I know that it may be difficult to distinguish between Sabrina and Regina, but we decided that it would be way too awkward to have them say their names before each and everything that they said. I do want to make sure to note that these ladies are very close and their sisterly twin bond is obvious, but they are distinct individuals and I could clearly see that during our recording. Today we talk about their dual Olympic trials qualifying times at the CIM Marathon back in the beginning of December. Excuse me. We also talk a lot about their career aspirations. They are both in school to be behavior analysts. And of course, me being a graduate student myself, I had to ask a lot of nerdy questions, so I hope that doesn't annoy anyone too much. Regina and Sabrina are amazing examples of women who support other women in the sport of running. I know after listening to my conversation with them, you'll wish you could run alongside the duo in your next race. I know I do. Before we get on to the episode, please, if you haven't already, leave a rating and review on iTunes. This podcast has only just begun, and the real goal and mission is not is only just getting started. I have so many amazing stories from women of all walks of life to share, and the more rating and reviews the show gets, the easier it is to spread to a broader audience. So again, please, take a minute or two of your time and leave me a rating and review. I'm genuinely curious and looking for feedback, both good and bad, so help a sister out, all right? Okay. On the note of supporting one another, let's get to my conversation with two women who embody this ideal, Regina and Sabrina Lopez. So welcome to the podcast. I know. Hi. Thank you. Thanks for, for having us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm We're really to be here. We're nervous. <laughs> That's fine. Um, and just so you guys know, I'm really new to this also. So every time I record, I'm nervous because it's not something that I have done a ton of times and I hear that it gets more natural feeling as you go. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and start off by having you both introduce yourselves separately um, okay. and just say, say your name before you start talking so that people know who's talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and um, for names, do you want us to say our names throughout the whole podcast, or? Um, I or... think if you if if it if you remember to, but if you don't, it's okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Was Sabrina speaking or? <laughs> no, yeah, that'd be too much. No, you no. go first. Okay. So my name is Regina <laughs> Lopez, and I just talk about myself, what I do. Yeah, whatever you think is the. The best introduction. I mean, you can introduce yourself however you want. And then you could just say it too. Oh, we won't say R because we basically did the same. Okay, well, I could go first. Okay, go first. <laughs> okay, hi, my name is Sabrina Lopez. I'm from Southern California. I run competitively. I run for Sketches Performance and I also am sponsored by CEP. Um, I recently qualified to the, to the Olympic trials for 2020. So I feel like that's the biggest accomplishment. And also I'm currently doing my master's in psychology with an emphasis in ABA. And I am currently a behavior therapist. Okay. So my name is Regina Lopez and I'm from Southern California. <laughs> and I recently made the Olympic trials for 2020. And I'm sponsored by Sketches Performance as well. 
and also a CP, I'm sponsored by CEP as well too. And I'm doing my master's right now in psychology and I want to pursue a career in behavior analyst. And right now I'm a behavior therapist as well. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, really, you guys could have done the same introduction. <laughs> I, I feel like where I'm just going to feed myself. <laughs> That's so funny. I um, I know a lot of twins and I am always, and I'm, you know, I'm sure you guys hear this all the time. I'm sure people are like, oh, wow, you're twins. And you guys are clearly identical. Um, am I right? We're, We're actually fraternal, but people say we look oh. identical, so. Wow. Well, it shows how much I know. I'm like, you guys are clearly identical. <laughs> but you guys do look very, very similar. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it's really interesting the dynamic that you see between twins. And I actually ran collegiately with twins, um, twin sisters. And it was just a really cool thing to see how their relationship was almost like deepened and strengthened by their shared love for the sport. Um, mm -hmm. And so when I, when I saw that you guys had qualified and I was like, oh my gosh, that's just amazing. Like, to be honest, <laughs> I have two sisters and my dream would be to have one of them be interested in running, like even just interested in it. <laughs> um, but, you know, to have like a sister who is on the same level competitively as you must just be yeah. incredible. Mm -hmm. It's nice. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, so the I have a lot of questions. Um, I guess my first would be, um, what? tell me a little bit about your background, like where you guys grew up. I know that you went to college in Oregon. Yes. And then we mm -hmm. transferred. And Sabrina, she went to Cal State LA. And me, Regina, went to Cal Poly Pomona. Okay. Um, so there was... Yes. So the reason why we decided to go to different schools, because it was really hard for us because we did everything together. Okay. So last minute, we're like, okay, maybe she should go to Cal Poly Pomona. I should go to Cal CLA. And it was really hard transitioning to that just because we are used to always, always being together. We've we, been close. Exactly. Like, we're still close, though. We're still close. So I feel mm -hmm. like we're closer now. now. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that was the most difficult mm -hmm. things was leaving each other for college. And then she got her bachelor's degree in kinesiology and science. And I majored in sociology. But then after once we graduated, we both decided to go into the same but master's The reason degree. why we're in the career together, the why we chose the same career, because we have a, a brother who's autistic. So okay. that kind of pushed okay. us towards that career. We're very knowledgeable in that and wanting to help, uh, you know, parents and children with, you know, with autism. Wow. That's, that's, um, I was wondering that because I saw your signature um, and it, it said that you, um, it, I can't remember what it said, but it kind of indicated that you worked, um, specifically in the, um, autism, like spectrum field. Um, mm -hmm. and I was like, wow, that is really interesting. Um, so is your brother older or younger? He's the younger. He's actually seven. Aww. My parents, yes. At when, um, uh, my sister and I went to Oregon state it was really hard for my parents because with my family, we're really close, and it was really difficult for us. So that's one of the reasons why we came home. Mm -hmm. So my parents, yeah, I'm going to just try to have another baby. And then they yeah. had two other kids. So I have a younger sister that's 10 and another – and then I also have a brother that's 7. Okay, so they had you guys, and you, you kept them busy. And then when you left, they were like, well, we need two more to fill up the gap. 
Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think my mom would do that if she could. Um, she had all four of us in four <laughs> years. And then we left the house one after the next, after the next. And uh-huh. I think, I think, um, if my dad was down for it, she would have probably maybe had four more babies, but I mean, <laughs> I don't know if that's <laughs> practical. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, so I can imagine that you must have just gained so much, um, insight into just how difficult it is to be a parent and to be a family member of someone who's on the spectrum. And, and I'm sure that you feel very, um, sympathetic towards the plight of people who are in that situation. Um, so what are some of the things that in particular have been hard for your family with your brother? I think what's been tough is you finding out that your child or, you know, your sibling has autism because it's, 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 different um the way they're raised um because a lot of people don't know how to raise a child with autism mm-hmm. it, it, it i think it was that's what was the toughest part is you know having your child not having the eye contact and how to you know how to engage with other people how to socialize and as autism there's a strategy in how to help them with that and a lot of parents are not aware mm-hmm. I, don't know what to say. I agree um um, having my brother as, and you know, being autistic, you know, at times when I was, you know, around 19, 20, I did not know what autism was. Mm-hmm. And I would be really angry because I see my parents, you know, crying, you know, at times and um, just them having a difficult time. But then when ABA therapist came to my home, I see a huge transition. My brother, my younger brother, he's able to provide eye contact. Now he's able to socialize a lot better. Yeah, engage more. Engage with more. So yes. I think that's why we um, both got into the ABA career because of that reason. And so I think it helps parents when I when I see all my different cases. I tell them I have autism. I understand. Mm-hmm. You know, having that, I understand where you, where you, you know, how you feel. And they, and I think it helps them. You know, okay, this this girl who is working, you know, is coming to my home. They understand the way I feel. So I think it just makes them feel more comfortable. Yeah. I can imagine. Um, so how old was your brother when he was diagnosed? He was two. Two. Okay. So that's, that's pretty standard, I think. Um, mm-hmm. my, my sister, my little sister, um, worked as an ABA therapist for, um, a few years. Nice. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of familiar, not, not to any, um, big extent, but, um, mm-hmm. sorry, I didn't, the, the plan was not to ask you a million questions about your brother. I'm just interested. <laughs> okay. okay. So, well, my brother is a big part of my life. And I feel like, you know, there was a race actually where I, um, I might, um, it was actually, actually my first marathon. I was so scared and I called my dad and I'm like, dad, I'm nervous. I, I, I don't know what to do. And he's like, Sabrina, just think about your brother. Think about, uh, think that when you finish the race that your brother's going to get cheered. I was like, okay, then. So I got into that finish line. Yeah. So when I crossed the finish line, all I was thinking about was my brother. And I felt like that helped me so much. So I think that, yeah, it seems like he's a big motivator. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) And an inspiration. 
Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was really sweet too. It seems like you and your sister share that kind of a little bit of a connection too. I was um, doing my research because I like to kind of know a little bit about who I'm interviewing before I go on so that I'm not asking questions that are like totally obvious or, you know, or if I'm like, I like to have some background information so I can ask about things that might be a little bit unknown about that person. Um, Mm -hmm. But I was reading one of your blogs and um, I thought it was so sweet how you talked about when you finished SEM, how the, I think it was whichever one of you finished first. And I'm... Yes, I did. Yes. Yes. And you were, and you were like, all I wanted to know was where my sister was. And I was laughing so hard when you said, oh, she was being fed in the medical tent. She was being fed. Yes. After the race, I wanted to cry so much because I couldn't find my sister. So when she crossed the line, I did see her. And then I told her sit next to me. And then she sat next to me. And then all of a sudden, like five seconds later, I couldn't find her. So I felt like my eyes wandering. I'm like, where's my sister? All I want is thank goodness for the lady who got me because I couldn't feel my body. I was like, I I can't move. So she took me to the medical tent. Um, I'm happy I went there because I think yeah, and my electrolyte, like everything went down. My immune system went down. So they're giving me soup, um, Gatorade. So I was getting. Nick yeah. didn't tell me though. Nick didn't tell me. Yeah, I just was like cracking up because it was. You're like, of course she was just she was getting fed. Can you believe that she was just in there getting like, you know, waited on I, hand and foot. I know, and I was like exhausted, all tired, all by myself right there. And Nick you guys. And you guys must have been um, probably disoriented because you just finished this huge race. And so I'm sure um, you kind of were just like, what is even going on right now? Yes, I agree. But it felt so amazing running side by side with my sister. I felt like we were helping each other throughout the whole race. So it felt, you know, awesome when I crossed the line. I was like, my sister's going to come here any second now. So it just felt awesome, like, you know, helping each other and motivating each other as well because during the race I remember my um I forgot some of my bottle stations and it was nice I'm like Sabrina can I have some water she's like yeah I was like here you go so it's just (laughs) nice to have that support you know through the race it's a long race and it just made it more fun just to be there with my twin and too I found myself like coming like I was kind of falling behind a little bit and somebody will look behind me and she'll be like Regina come on and then I'll come up and run with her so it was just nice to have someone on me in the race how long were you guys actually together for in the race before you separated? I, I separated after 21 miles. Oh, so a good portion of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew after 20 mile mark, I know we're, uh, we're both going to qualify because I, I, we set up our times where we're, where after when we hit the 20 mile mark, I knew that if I hit under 205, that we're going to make it. Mm-hmm. Like, I would, yeah. So. so, you must have just been so excited, even though it was, I'm sure that those last 6.2. Yeah, finish it. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I can't even imagine. Um, I'm sure that it was just so thrilling <laughs> to just have that experience. <laughs> Are you guys still kind of yeah, so- in, in disbelief that it happened? <laughs> Um, not really. I mean, not to seem cocky or anything, but I felt like my sister and I were going to qualify just because mm-hmm. we've been training so hard. Yeah. We've been um, f- um practicing our our um, fluid intake. We've been practicing the 
the um, paces as well. So when I got into the race, I felt really confident. And I told my sister right before the race, I was like, Regina, we're going to qualify today. That's, that's what I yeah. told her. She's like, stay with me, Regina. Stay with me. So right now, I mean, I could, yeah, I could say that I am, like, well, shocked. But I think my next goal is to try to qualify for the A standards. That's both our goals. Both but I know us. that's going to take both of us to really work together, um, to really help each other. You know, because like, there's going to be some days where I don't want to wake up in the morning. So she has to motivate me. I motivate her. So I feel like it's a team. It's a team effort for sure. Team effort for, yeah. you know, for um, of us to work together. I like that you said that – I like your answer to that question, saying that you're not super surprised because I think that um, that is important to remember when you talk to athletes who are training at such a high level is um, that – I mean, I think to the outside perspective – we kind of wonder like, wow, that must have just been so crazy and amazing. And if like we try to put ourselves in that person's shoes and we're like, wow, like if that was me, I would just be so shocked. But when you really think about it, you guys are so aware of how much work has been put in prior. And so you know that you are prepared and that you're ready and that, you know, you just have to execute. And so it probably – is kind of a silly question to be like, were you surprised? Because you would have probably been surprised if you hadn't worked very hard. But to work really hard and then to have the result that you wanted, it's more just like, um, it's more just like you're reaping the benefits of all your hard work, not like, wow, I can't believe how this happened, you know? Yes, mm-hmm. yes, exactly. Yeah, so there's, it's like very, in, very intentional. You know, you guys had a very intentional plan, it seemed. Um, so I... Um, I'm curious about both of like your running styles. And I only ask that because when I was in college and I was running, it was particularly during the cross country season. Um, I had one teammate who we just kind of, we, we always like to say that we had good running chemistry um, because we just kind of like were able to feed off of each other really well because I think because we were really similar runners, like we had a similar stride, we had a similar like energy pattern and we kind of did the same things at different times. And, um, and then because we knew each other, we were able to be like, Oh, if I'm tired, she's probably feeling tired. And we would sometimes talk to each other during the race and be like, come on, like you can do it. Um, And is that what it's like for you guys? Do you feel like you're similar runners or do you feel like um, there are areas where you are stronger um, between the two of you? Uh, with me, I feel that I'm stronger in distance. I could, I love training in, you know, I like running 80 miles a week and doing high mileage, high temp, you know, tempo runs. But when it comes to speed, I kind of, I'm kind of weak in that area. Um, I have more fun running marathons and half marathons um, compared to a 5K. (laughs) And with her, I think she loves all areas, right? I love all areas. So like you, like what you said um, with you and your teammate, I do feel like that with her. Mm -hmm. Like we do use each other. There's energy. We try to help each other out there. I'm like, come on, Regina, one more, two more. Mm -hmm. And I... You know, I, I always tell Regina or anybody that trains with us that, you know, don't look at the workout as a whole. Think of it as like one one mile at a time. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to get it done one mile at a time because if you look at it a whole, you're going to be exhausted. You're going to be like, oh, my gosh, I have 10 more miles to go. 
So, um, yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, if I do have a weakness, I, you know, I hope that, you know, my sister or anybody who my friend, you know, that that's a training with me, you know, helps me out there. And I mean, I'll do the same, same thing to them. Um, so for an example, I actually raced, um, a half marathon this season. It was actually called Big Sur. Yeah. And my sister was in there because she got injured. Yeah, and I this was two weeks before the marathon, two weeks before the marathon, I ran Big Sur. And um, I was really nervous because I my sister wasn't going to be there and we both worked together. But then I realized that there's going to be other women that's going to be out there competing as well. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to go in the race and I'm just going to help anyone that's near me. So I got into the race and the whole race, I was just, you know, praising every woman that was near me. I was like, come on, you got this, you got this. And that helped me, that encouraged me and also encouraged them as well. Not to give up. Oh, man, exactly. I wish I could Not- run near you in a race. <laughs> <laughs> I love praising women. I feel like it It. It not only helps them, I feel like it helps me as well because I'm telling myself as well. I'm like, you got this. You're strong. So I'm telling mm-hmm. myself as well, you're strong. You got this. <laughs> I agree. I think that there's something about just sort of collect, like looking at that field like as a collective unit and being like, we're doing this. Like, this is so great. Like, Good for you. Good for me. Good for you. Like, good for all of us that we're, you know, that we're out here and that we're doing it and that we're strong and that we're um, capable. And, you know, I think that's amazing. I love that. (laughs) I think that it would be, um, I think that I would love to see what it would be like as a competitor to be in more races where you felt that energy like that bond between the people that you're competing with even if you don't really know them um Mm -hmm. I think that you can still feel a connection with someone that you're running and actually I know that just from races I've done I have felt like a connection to another person just because I was like just next to them for like a whole race and we were both working really hard and you know you have those races um like I have a few races that stand out in my mind as an undergraduate where I crossed the finish line and, you know, the person who crossed behind me, I was like, I don't care who you are. I'm giving you a hug. <laughs> That's what I love about the, you know, yeah, the running racing, aspect. Yeah. Cause I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, you understand each other. Like what you said, you know, you just want to hug them after the race. Like, Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, you're amazing. I know. You know, that's what I about the, you know, about the whole, you know, running community. Yeah, because um, actually for the marathon, um, we're using each other's energy. But there was this one girl at mile 13. She would, um, what was it called? She would um, surge. surge. She would do a lot of surges. But we're, we're when we're running, as we're running, we're like, come on, run with us. But she kept doing surges, you know, going down the hill. So saying I am is going, there's up, there's rolling hills. So she would surge downhill, like, really fast. And then me and Sabrina, like, okay, you know, just try to keep a constant, use each other. And then we'll catch up with her to when we're going uphill. And then we'll keep reminding her, you could work with us. You could work with us. And then towards after, I think, towards 20, no, 18 mile, she started working with us afterwards. And then it, it helps all of us. So I do agree that that energy atmosphere does help, you know, women to work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, too. And I think that it's something um, – <laughs> in our nature, I think that we kind of thrive off of that, like, bond, like, that community feel. Um, I think it's, like, a natural instinct as a woman to be, like, come on, let's all do this together. Like, (laughs) everybody (laughs) in, you know, like. Yes. (laughs) um, Yeah. Um, So 
I'm not, I don't want to jump around too much in terms of the timeline, but I am just curious about how you guys got into running. Um, so we're actually into other sports. We're into basketball. We play um, sports since we've been five. Yeah, we've been playing other sports, but mm-hmm. we, I didn't find running until high school when I was a junior in high school, or I believe it was sophomore. Actually, I, I'm sorry, I was a junior. Yeah. And my friend, I always looked up to her. I felt like she was beautiful. She was strong. She looked so confident to me. And I wanted to just, I wanted to be just like her. And she was in cross country and track. And she, um, convinced me to join and um that's how I joined cross country and track I mean I was horrible for my first race I I'm like I do not understand why people do this and then you know once you're you know consistent you have the support network from your team from your family I mean everything just comes together and then you're just going to get better that's true and yeah, because a lot of my family members, they didn't want us running. You know, running in the streets is dangerous. We came from a, what, a Hispanic family. Mm-hmm. So you could continue. They were, they were kind of protective over us. But they yeah. saw us winning races. Like, oh, keep doing it. Keep doing it. You want more shoes? I'll give you more shoes. Because <laughs> they were supporting us afterwards. <laughs> yeah, it seems like you guys uh, really re- um, get a lot of support from your dad. It seems like he's very supportive of your athletic endeavors. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is he a proud dad? Like, is he like proud of you guys? Yes, mm-hmm. he is. I could say both my parents are very supportive, and they like they love um, anyone. Actually, I went to um, Trader Joel's with my mom the other day, and she's telling the cash register um, man that was you know doing you know doing the doing the um, groceries for us she's like my baby just qualified to the olympic trials for 2020 and yeah she loves praising us <laughs> to toward you know to other people that don't even know us <laughs> same thing with my dad so they're both happy yeah they're both happy. they're very proud <laughs> our family is so our whole that's family. so sweet <laughs> and mm-hmm. i just um i i just also really like um that i really like that you guys are sort of representing ooh Sorry about that. It's okay. <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> um, I should have the volume off. One second. Okay. Um, I kind of like that you guys represent um, a community, like a, a, um, a group that doesn't, you don't normally see a lot of um, Hispanic women that are like competing at a really high level. Um, mm-hmm. You do see like, um, shoot, uh, Brenna Martinez. Um, and I think that she's been a really great example for young girls in terms of empowering them to to um, kind of explore their full potential in the sport. But I, I think it's really neat that you guys are like you guys are kind of like a double like double power too, you know? Like, yes. <laughs> and I'm sure there's a lot of young women that you know that look up to you um, in your community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, and that's one of our goals too is to go to high schools because we actually went to my high school that I graduated from, and it was nice to speak to them. And I don't know, I felt like a little odd talking about my life story, but they seemed so interested in it. Um, but it's always nice, you know, just to give help back. them, mm-hmm. give back to them as well, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I think that that's um, one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to start this podcast was because. I think that 
sometimes we don't even know or realize how much power and influence our story might have because to us it just seems like you know, there's nothing special about it. It's my life. Why, you know, mm-hmm. it might, I'm living a life just like anyone else's. Um, but you just don't ever know who you could impact or who you could influence. And you also never know who might hear your words and really need to hear that message on a particular day. And so I think that that's one of the biggest things that I hope to do with the podcast is just have mm-hmm. something where women's stories are kind of available and you just, you don't never really know who it's going to reach. Um, and so I'm sure that those girls are just like, wow, that's so cool. <laughs> yes. Thank you for doing this podcast. Yeah. I'm so pleased to announce that this episode is brought to you by Locker Lifestyle. If you haven't heard about this product, it's about time that you do. The genesis of Locker Lifestyle started in February of 2016. Founder Kat, being a very active student athlete, decided that she was sick of bringing her entire wallet to the gym when all she needed was her student ID to get in and out. Lockers didn't lock and cubbies were open for anyone to steal belongings, and she didn't need everything she always ended up bringing. After countless hours of searching for the perfect product with no success, she decided to do something about it, especially since running belts are bulky, unfashionable, and restricting, which I 100% agree with. Fortunately, Kat's momager had a successful bridal show, store, I apologize, store, with a very talented seamstress. Kat drew up the design's specifics and worked with her to see if what she was thinking up was even possible. After many revisions, her very first product, the wrist locker, was born. Since then, the wrist locker has grown to include a head locker and a mini locker. The fabric is machine washable, and if I must say so myself, super luxurious. The design is also unbelievably wearer-friendly. Seriously, I have the weirdest shaped head in my locker lifestyle headband stayed put for an entire 10-mile run. For 10% off your first order, go to LockerLifestyle.com and enter code CHASINGBRAVERY at checkout, all caps. Okay, guys, one last thing before we get on to my conversation with Regina and Sabrina. I want to let everyone know that I have created a Patreon page. While I've loved every second of this venture into podcasting, I'm realizing that the show will not grow or get better without your support. We're doing the best with what we have, but the truth is that sound quality and show quality can only go so far on a broke grad student budget. For this reason, I've created a Patreon page. To become a supporter of Chasing Bravery, simply go to patreon.com forward slash chasingbravery06. The link to this page can also be found in the show notes. Once you are there, you can sign up to be a pledge for either $1, $3, $5, or $10 a month. I know there is an affordable option for anyone listening. If you're enjoying this show and want to see it grow and get better, please show your support. I myself listen to a large variety of podcasts, and my rule of thumb is if I support the message and I listen every week, you bet I'm a Patreon, even if it's only $1 a month. I think now's a good time to release the topic and theme of season two, seeing as it ties into this whole Patreon thing. All of the women in season two of the Chasing Bravery podcast will be telling their unique stories surrounding in vitro fertilization, or IVF. I am so unbelievably inspired and impressed by the bravery these ladies show in sharing their stories with the hopes of spreading awareness, advocating, and letting other women know that they are not alone. 
I have decided as a supplement to season two that I will be releasing my own video recording of my entire egg donation process for Patreon subscribers. It was a decision that I went back and forth on, but the least I could do is something share something real of my own. As a bit of a PSA, these video recordings are the real deal and include the shots that I had to give myself as well as some of the not-so-pleasant side effects. If that isn't for you, this is your warning. Patreon supporters will also receive lots of other bonus content and goodies, including two bonus episodes with two of the most prestigious fertility doctors in the nation. So go check it out, patreon.com, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash chasing bravery zero six. Thank you so much for your support. It really means the world for me to me, and it really means a lot to um, the women who are sharing their stories because really the whole point is to spread awareness about the reality of IVF. Um, and this is kind of a start to that. So thank you so much. All right, now back to our show. So um, you guys ran in college. Did you run competitively? Yes, yes we did. We did. Mm-hmm. Yes. And did um, – what were the events that – and did you run – because I know that you transferred at certain points, but what were the events that you guys focused on when you were in college? Um, 10K, 5K, uh-huh. cross country. You were more um, distance then too. Oh, yeah, more 10K though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're both the same. Yeah, we're both the same distance. I, I love distance. <laughs> but really, I mean, I've, I mean, I felt like during college I was never great at track for some odd reason. I was always amazing at cross country, but now I – I feel like I'm getting a lot more better in um, track. Um, I don't know, maybe because I'm, like, overthinking it. I don't know if you've ever felt that way during track. It's cross-country. Um, you're not really looking at your watch as much. And in track, I feel like you're, like, I don't know. To me, for me, I get very paranoid as, like, the lap of each pace. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I love, like, half marathons or the marathon a lot better than track. Yeah, I actually like road races better, too. Yeah, I have to say – that what I've noticed about track is that I get way more focused on what I'm feeling um, in my body. And I don't know why, because you would think it would be the opposite because it's a shorter distance. But (laughs) I think it's, I think if speed is not your strong suit, certain distances are really intimidating because you might be in shape to run the paces that you're running, but on paper or like not on paper, but like when you're actually running through the splits mm-hmm. and you look at the clock, you're like, wait, what? No, that's way too fast. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's my, that's always been how, why I've struggled with shorter distances because I just will be like, wait, no, I, that I can't run that fast. I, there's no way I can run that fast. And I get really paranoid about like, like what you were saying, the laps. I'll be like, if like a lap is one second too fast, I'm like, well, there goes my whole race because I just ran that lap way too fast. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I don't know. I just always got way more nervous for track races. I think I felt more on the spot. I'm kind of like one of those, um, runners that gets like subconscious really easy or like I get, I get um, distracted. That's the right word. If I'm on a track and I'm running in circles, I start to notice all of the things around me that I shouldn't. And it's just bad because I'm not able to zone in as much as I am if I'm on the roads or if I'm on a cross country course. Yes. I completely agree What you have to think about too is that when you're running on the roads and cross country, you're racing in the morning and Mm. then track 
evening. So I think it just gives you gets you more nervous. <laughs> you have to That's wait. so true. That is so true. Oh man, did you guys ever run like indoor track and do the races at like twelve o'clock, like like at like eleven o'clock at night, where you were just like waiting for your heat to finally go off, and you were just like, "What am I even doing right now?" <laughs> yes, yeah. I have. That's like way past my my sleep time, know, right? my bedtime, because I'm usually in bed by nine. I know. I remember doing that. I actually, I have a really funny story and I'm just going to tell it really quick because it's just, I don't know. It's just, if, if I could have this happen to me and then still keep running, anybody can. So I was a walk on to my college team. I didn't run in high school. Um, and I just always enjoyed running, but when I, the, the first season that I decided to join was indoor track, which is ridiculous. I don't know what I was thinking because it's, I went to school in New Hampshire. And so indoor track is just a really hard time of the year to train anyways. And then not only that, but I had never seen an indoor track before. Like I was, it, when I saw it for the first time, I was so confused about, and I was like, and how many laps are in an 800 and how many laps are in a mile? And, um, also, I didn't have racing flats. I only had trainers at this point for my first meet. Oh. And so here I am, and I, I get on the line. My first race was an 800, and I started in lane five. And then I was so nervous that when the gun went off, I like my ears stopped working, and I couldn't really hear because I was just so focused on finishing the race that I ran the entire 800 in lane five in my trainers. Oh, my oh my. And I was just like <laughs> – a deer in the headlights. Like I kind of had like a fight or flight response and um, my coach was yelling at me to like go in and get into the inside lane, but I didn't hear him. And I, there's a video of it somewhere because I looked like a total, I I mean, I looked ridiculous because all the other Uh, girls were number one in racing flats and I'm in my like clunky trainers and I'm in lane five on an indoor track running an 800. Yeah. That's a big learning lesson for you, right? Yeah. How wow. many laps is that? <laughs> How much is the indoor for 800? It's only four no, laps, like... but I mean, it was four long laps. Yeah, that... and anything indoor track seems long. Yeah, it's it always does. long. Yeah, and it was a lot of time for everyone around me to be like, that girl does not know what she's doing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I I was so clueless. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah. Um, so, um, I know that you, which one of your boyfriends is your coach? Sabrina. Yes. Okay. Tell me about that. I'm always interested in that when people are coached by their significant other. I could say it was really difficult at first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, feel like, I mean, I would always start the arguments just because I wanted my way. I feel like I wanted to get pushed harder and I feel like he wasn't pushing me. Um, but over the last year, I've um, I've come to trust him more. I feel like our relationship has become a lot more stronger. Um, so me trusting in the process, I feel like I've been peeing, pee, I've been um, having personal best in all of my on, from track from all the way to the marathon. And I like like what I told you, um, I was I was never a track athlete, never liked it, and. Um, I hit 16.30 for a 5K. I could never hit any any time 16s, and I finally did it. And I feel like it was due to the support and the help of my coach, my current coach. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, at first it was hard, though. I could say it was very difficult, but I love it now. now I trust. Does he, 
does he coach you too? Yes. 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 Both both of us. And how do you like? (laughs) Oh, I like it now at first having um, my twin sister's boyfriend coach in the beginning. I would, it was tough for me at first because I'm like, oh, he's favoring my twin more. So it was like more of that too because we're twins, you know. And then, of course, he's going to pay a little bit more attention to her because that's, you know, her boyfriend. Mm-hmm. That's not in the beginning um, because he would text her, good job. And then, you know, you know, at first he wouldn't text me and stuff. And then now I text him like this is how I did my workout. And then that's how we communicate more. So it's just having just finding out what works for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's better now. I'm PRing now. But in, at first it was tough in the beginning. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, and did you start dating him? Because he was your – like, sorry, I don't know how to word this. Did you, <laughs> was he your coach before you started dating? <laughs> no, he wasn't my, my coach. Um, we both met at Cal State LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are both in the team. And um, he was actually my best friend for about two years. Mm-hmm. And then we started dating from there. Um, and then he became my coach um, two years after college. Um, I was um, coached by someone else. But there was like a lot of problems with that coach. So my coach, my coach is like, no, you know, I'll I'll be willing to coach you. You know, right now I'm I'm, right now I'm going to a chiropractic school. I, you know, I've been coaching for six years and, um, you know, I feel like you and I and also having your sister along, (laughs) I feel like, you know, I'm going to help you. And then and then ever since then, I feel like. We've been doing yeah, really I well. What's awesome about him is that he believes in us. You know, mm-hmm. you need a coach that believes in you because sometimes we doubt ourselves sometimes. You know, as athletes, you're always going to have that little doubt. But it's nice to have that that coach who's very confident in us. He even told us maybe, I don't know, three weeks prior before I say I am. He goes, if you guys were raised tomorrow, you guys will qualify. Like just having that confidence in us in, makes a big difference. It really does. Yeah. What a great support system. It seems like you guys have really found a really – awesome, healthy environment to excel in, which I think is really key when it comes to this sport in particular, because it's such a sport that really does require you to be healthy in all areas of your life, or you're not going to perform at your best just because um, there's all these little teeny pieces that need to kind of fit together just right to make it work. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and lucky he's a chiropractor. That's yes. super, super lucky. Yes. And her boyfriend, she's, he's actually a physical therapist. Oh, so, you guys so have they, it hooked up. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Wow. You guys are smart. <laughs> <laughs> Tell her what your boyfriend told you the other day, yesterday, about the house. About the house. house. Oh, so I guess we've been talking about, I guess, like living, you know, and we're talking about our future. It's always, you know, got good to have goal sets and, you know, what the expectations about the future. So, was, and then he was telling me, um, well, I don't know, it's kind of weird. I'm just, this is fine. Okay. So he's like, we could live, you know, we could buy a big house and me, me, my twin sister and dress and, you know, my boyfriend, we could all live together. Uh-huh. <laughs> a bigger home. But like, yeah, but first let me talk to Sabrina about it. But she was like, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you were like, of course, that's what I always expected we would do. <laughs> yeah, that's always been my dream. <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, whatever works. I mean, um, 
I currently, (laughs) I I currently live with my boyfriend and we have my boyfriend's best friend from college living with us. I don't know Uh if I would call him his best friend from college, but one of his really good friends. And Chad has told me he has been point blank, like, yeah, he's probably going to be with us forever. (laughs) I'm like, okay, well, I guess we're just going to have to figure out how that's going to work because I don't know. And then when I told her about having a big house together, Sabrina was like, oh, and then we could make like a track in the bag. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And all your kids could just like out, go out there and run together. And yes, yeah. You guys yes. could have a relay team. Like a yes. really awesome four by four. Actually, that's yes. that's Chad's biggest thing that he jokes about. And I don't think he's actually joking. He might want to edit this part out because he's going to be like, don't tell people that. But um, his joke is that um, he always says to me, you need to kind of like if we ever have kids, we need to figure out how to have like either two twin girls or two twin boys because – like two sets. He was like, so they can, but, and like close together so they can all be in high school together. And then we can have like a four by four. He was like, and can you just imagine it? He was like, Aubin handing off to Aubin, handing off to Aubin, handing off to Aubin. And I'm just like, I mean, yeah, that would be amazing. But I don't know if you know how like biology works because I don't think that we have a ton of control over if that happens. And do you know how awful that sounds having back to back sets of twins? (laughs) does twins run in your family no no so it's I mean it's totally unrealistic and it would all just be for that one moment if maybe they decided to be runners but they were on the track in a four by four like it's just so out there and so funny but I can see it like I can see his dream you know like I do I do get where he's going with it because you know we both love the sport so much and so I think that on a small level I think when you daydream about those kinds of things you're like oh I really hope my kid likes this too and I hope uh-huh. they like it and I hope they're better than me and they can do all the things that you know I didn't do goal wise like I think that's a, like a little secret thing that people think about to some degree <laughs> yes yes I agree I agree <laughs> yeah 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 um so what is the – so I know you guys are going for the A standard, and then um, I know that you're getting pretty close to wrapping up. Are you, how, much, how much longer do you guys have in your um, master's degree? We'll be done in August. Uh, so mm-hmm. Wow, so you're getting there, like really close. Yes. You have like half a year left. Yes. yes yeah, so um, I'm really curious about behavior analyst. What is, like, what is that specifically? Behavior analysts, so mm-hmm. um, what they do, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they um, they implement, <coughs> so they, they make up the data. They, um, so pretend if we, they have, we have a new, they see a, a, a kiddo and they see what is the best intervention for that child. Oh, so okay. us as behavioral therapists, we have to follow what they give us. So as a behavior analyst, which is the cool thing that they, they're the ones that make up the intervention. And then we're just the ones that follow um, what they, what, what, you know, the data they give us. Okay. And so they come, they come once a week. Once a month, the BCBA. A BCBA comes once a month and they see if we're doing their job right. And they give us feedback. And yeah, I, I think it's, it's a, I, I, I don't know. I think it's a pretty cool job. <laughs> yeah. I'm just so curious because of the overlap in terms of um, just kind of what I'm going to school for. But um, so if I'm understanding it correctly, you 
are given a set of symptoms like symptomology and behaviors and probably like a biopsychosocial evaluation that kind of incorporates like what the living environment is and what the, um, the social environment is and the child's strengths. Is it, are you working primarily with children? Yes. Mm -hmm. So it's two to (laughs) 21. Yes. So right now, Working with a 16-year-old, so it just depends, like, the cases they give you. Mm-hmm. My youngest I work with is three. Okay. And so then you take all of that information and you decide, based on what you have in front of you, what the best intervention would be to help that individual have the best possible outcome in whatever yes. environment that they're in. Yes. And then also, you're also working with the parent, too, and pretend you want your child to start using the restroom on, by, you know, mm-hmm. by themselves. And uh, the behavior analyst will give them steps and how for for them to, you know, use the restroom on their own. So it's like little stuff like that, too. So what is the better? Because you want your child to use appropriate behavior, too, and what's socially acceptable, too. So I guess that's how they make up the intervention as well. That's really neat. That sounds really exciting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of, I could, like be a super nerd about all of that stuff because I just think it's all so interesting. <laughs> but I won't go into that because this is not a, um, a you know, diagnostic behavioral analysis podcast. <laughs> and I'm sorry, and then I read too and I got, you got your master's in social work, correct? Yeah. So I'm actually working on that currently. That's what I'm finishing up right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, My mom is a social worker. Really? Yeah. That's so cool. What area does she work in? <laughs> she works in the court office. Yes, um, I forget what it's called. Um, I forget what it's called. I think I read your dad does it too. What is it called? Um, your dad is social work too, right? I think that's what no, I read. No, 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 my dad's not. <laughs> oh no. Okay, sorry. I thought I read. Well, she works as um, a family children social work, so she works in the county and she does like more paperwork. So uh, the okay. social work, because my mom used to work in the field. Um, she's, I mean, she was working the field for like 10 years and then okay. she applied to work only on desk. So she works in desk and just does other, you know, does all the report writing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, no, my dad's an engineer. He's <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Cause I thought I read that your dad's a social worker. That's so funny. Oh, that's I wonder yeah. what you read. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That is really interesting. Maybe yeah. That, maybe reading something else never mind i i <laughs> hope i i hope i didn't put that somewhere because my dad my dad is like the farthest thing from a social worker he like he he is an engineer but he's retired and now he owns a home oh. inspection company and so it would be so funny if like someone thought that like his company was like some sort of like social services thing and he's like no i inspect homes <laughs> like <I'm> not... <laughs> It would be kind of like a really epic prank call if, like, there was some information out there that my dad was, like, a social worker or something, and they were calling him, and he would be just – I can just see my dad being like, do you do you need our radon testing done? Do you need me to test your floorboards? Like, I don't <laughs> yeah, – so- I know. I don't know where I read that from. I don't know where you read that I know that you're – I, I, know I did read studying. that you're a social worker. Yeah. You study, that study that you, you are. Yeah, that you is correct. In- I'm when sorry. Would, when when will you be done for your with your master's in social work? Yeah, so I will not be done. I was actually going to be done in May, but mm-hmm. I decided to add the school concentration 
So what that means is, and honestly, I don't think I'll ever work in a school, but I don't know that for sure. And the way that it works is that if you don't receive that school certification, you, if I ever did decide I wanted to work in a school, I would have to go back and um, be in school for a few more years, even though I had already completed the master's degree. And Mm -hmm. I've met so many people who are back in school after already graduating with their master's because they realized that they wanted to work in a school. And it's also just an interesting thing too, because I mean, you know, public schools are where so many things happen. And I have a really, um, like a very, like a very specific interest in, um, working with women and children on reservations in particular, but I also have always, I've always kind of leaned, because I'm going to law school after this too, and I've always leaned towards um, like immigration law and kind of working to help in that area. Um, Mm -hmm. And I just think that there's so much with school policy that if you have children who are immigrants or who, um, whose families have immigrated, there's so much that you can do in the social work or as a social worker to um, help make, to help advocate for those children and to help advocate for those families so that they have, um, they really are receiving the same level of um, education and care and that kind of thing that the other children are because they have a right to it, you know? Um mm-hmm. And so that's always been really important to me, and it's become really interesting to me now just because of everything that happened with DACA and all that stuff. I don't know if you guys are familiar yes. with that. But yeah. 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 I mean, I wasn't going to just, like, be, like, assume, <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because um, right now we're, we're having, like, a lot of um, friends who's having issues with that as well. Uh-huh. So, yeah, right now they're just terrified and scared. That's awful. So, I know. And I can't even imagine – because, and especially being where you are geographically, I'm sure that it just feels a lot more, like, you you just probably have it in front of you a lot more um, mm-hmm. than maybe me being in Illinois or someone who is living more on the, like, East Coast. So I'm sure mm-hmm. that you just know so many people who are just being so heavily impacted. Yes. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yeah. It's just, I don't, makes me, I don't even... I don't know. I just did a huge paper on it, um, but I still – I remember when I was writing the paper, I submitted it, and then our classmates were supposed to ask questions about it, and mm-hmm. they were trying to ask, like, clarifying questions, and I was like, honestly, guys, I don't even know. Like, I don't know what's going on or what's going to happen. Everything is just really complicated right now, and I, I don't – it's just so unfortunate. <laughs> you know, I know. No one knows what's going to happen, so we'll see. It's really scary. Yeah. I think it just, I just think that, I guess the most you can do as someone in a helping profession is be aware of the things that are going on in regards to immigration policy and things like DACA. um, So that if you have a client who that might apply to, that you can be really aware that their situation has only been like magnified by that you know it just adds like so much fear into their life and so much unex like so much uncertainty and yeah yeah I think that's because you know they come here you know to this country you know wanting to better themselves and their children Mm -hmm. to be feared you know something you know that everything's gonna be taken away from you and then you know that's that's sad so yeah 
Absolutely. And, you know, the the children who are here, regardless of whether or not the parents are documented or not, I mean, children like our children, that's my opinion. And so I think that they, I don't know. I'll probably get in trouble if I say my, like, keep, like, (laughs) if I, if I, you know, get on like a soapbox or something and I start talking about all of my opinions, but yeah, yeah, that's, it's, it's tough stuff. (laughs) I know. Yeah. Um, okay. So let me just see where we are with time. All right. So I am going to, um, ask you guys some of the end of the podcast questions, but Regina, I actually took something of yours from Instagram that you wrote that I just thought was super beautiful. Um, and I was like, I kind of want to read this because I feel like it's such a great thing just for women, um, to hear. Do you mind if I read it? I, I don't you don't know what it is, but I, so, okay. <laughs> this is a quote from Regina and I love it because I think it encompasses kind of the message of the podcast. Um, so she says, everyone's got an opinion, what you should wear, how you should speak, how much you should share, how much you should work, what your relationship should look like. And what I've learned is all I know how to do really well is be me. So please, whatever your perception and expression you have of yourself at this point in life, be exactly that. Be bold and unapologetically you. Do whatever you need to feel alive, whatever lights up your soul. Nobody is perfect, not even close, and everyone has wrinkles from smiling and frowning and squinting. Everyone has marks on their bodies from years of living, a trail of life left on them, evidence of all the adventures and sleepless nights, practical jokes, and heartbreaks that have made them who they are. My God, isn't that so beautiful? The story's all over us and within us. I love that. (laughs) Did you write that? Um, No, I got it from um, my friend um, Mm -hmm. who is a mentor to me. So Mm -hmm. we... um, she always gives me good advice. I always, I always have mentors, always, mm-hmm. um, because we all have our own stories. Mm-hmm. And um, during this year, I actually had I had a lot of setbacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't racing well this, you know, this whole year, and a lot of people doubted me. I doubted myself, you know, coming out from like a tough relationship, and um, having trouble with my workouts having trouble with everything in my life. And I had to, I had to work hard to where I'm at right now. And it took a lot of perseverance and it took a lot of hard work, a lot of support from my family and friends. So, and I think that's what I wanted to get like from my message on Instagram and um, who, what I want to represent is that you need to be fearless. You need to be strong as someone, you know, tries to belittle you or someone who, there's going to be people who try to hold you back and you as a person have to be strong. You have to hold yourself together. And that's what I want to represent with, you know, to other females. Well, I love that. And, um, I, even though you didn't necessarily write it specifically yourself, I absolutely love the message and I loved that you shared it. So I thought that it was, I I wanted to just include it in some way. (laughs) Um, so the final podcast questions are, you know, they might, you might have already touched on the answers to them in just in our conversation and that's okay. Um, the first question that I always ask people, um, who I have on the show is what does being a woman mean to you? You want to, I'm a woman answer. Being a woman means to me, I think it's amazing being a woman. You, as a woman, I think we need to, um, 
I guess, be anyone we want. We could be anybody we want. If you want to, you know, wear a sports front or bra, then do that. If you want to, um, you know, wear heels and, you know, be be confident in that. You should be confident in anything you wear. And as a woman, we should, you know, empower each other. We should, um, you know, not bring each other down. We should, you know, um, bring each other up. Because I see a lot of women sometimes, they they kind of talk about each other's back, but we shouldn't do that. We should, we should, we should, yeah, like I said, like we should empower each other. We should, um, I don't know, we should try to praise each other more. Try to, because there's women now, what you see in social media, we're always, I don't know, you see women like trying to compare each other. You know, we have a better life. No, we're all struggling. We're all, we are all striving to be better in ourselves, try to be, you know, good people. Um, Because I don't know, with me, like, I feel like we're only here limited in time. You know, you don't know if you're going to leave tomorrow, if you're going to leave, you know, a year from now. So why not show love and giving others, giving to others? And I don't know, that's how I see life. You know, you should, you know, if someone's in need, then go help them. You know, why are you not going to help that uh, help the other person? So I just feel like in this, like we're only here temporary. So now why why not give more? Why not bring awareness to other people? Why not respect more? You know, and that's how I select it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So to answer that question for me, um, when I think of a woman, I think of them being really strong, really mm-hmm. confident, um, empowering other women. Um I also, whenever whenever I see women as well, even myself, I think of myself as a Wonder Woman. Um, and I feel like we all should be like her. And I feel like watching that movie, I can't wait for part two to come out. Um, that, you know that, we, <laughs> that you know that we are strong. Mm-hmm. We are warriors. Yeah, yeah. And we do have strength. We do have the willpower. And, you know, I, I just, you know, I feel like, you know, we're all powerful. Okay. Great. Mm-hmm. Great answers. Um, okay. What is the bravest thing that you have done in your life to this point? <laughs> the bravey, brave. Um, so brave. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think because I think I have many. Um, so for me, I think the bravest thing I've done is stand up for myself. Mm-hmm. Because I was brought up really shy to myself. Um, I say I was very dependent when I was younger uh, so what what I've done that you know helped me be more brave now that I'm 27 is um say is is that it's okay to say no that it's okay that if someone doesn't like me you know you can't force anyone to want to be part of your life and also to let go to let go if someone is not supporting you is not does not want the best for you so that I think that's the bravest thing I've done is let go and to stand up for myself Mm, that's hard to do Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and with me for me has with me I I tend to love too much so I I think what when for me it's letting go of other you know that's people are not good for me anymore and being comfortable with the uncomfortable so it's always good to always grow evolve and that's what I've been doing and I feel like that has changed me changed me a lot for me changing and evolving 
I'm actually doing things I never thought I would be doing, you know, changing companies, going back to school. You know, it's 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 always good to to grow as people, not to stick to one point, stick to a relationship that's not good for you, stick to a job that's not, you know, giving you enough hours, not paying you enough. So it's always good to always change. And some people are so scared to change. And with me, I'm I'm doing that more. I'm I'm growing more. I'm 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 hanging out with people who are more similar like me, you know, who who want to love more, who want to, you know, who want to give more. So I think it was, it's more that. So just evolving, growing. Yeah. I, um, I had, um, someone who I guess I would consider a mentor to say to me once that, um, the more uncomfortable you feel in a situation, the Mm -hmm. more, you know, that you're moving in the right direction because it's that feeling of not being comfortable that tells you that you're growing and that you're kind of getting close to something that's probably really important. Um, and so I always try to remind myself that I'm like, I feel really uncomfortable, but okay, that's good. It means I'm going in the right direction. Like I try to think of it as like hot water, warm water. I'm like, you know, I want to be moving towards uncomfortable and not away from it. Like I want to just like get closer to that thing. And um, yeah, so I, I know what you mean. Um, okay, so last question. What are you both currently chasing? We're chasing the, you know, to make the A standard. We're yeah. chasing better people. <laughs> We're chasing expectations. We're um, perseverance. I know there's going to be a lot of struggles in the future. So just to persevere and keep working hard. Because, you know, things, as I know, what I learned in life is that things change. You know, things are going to have a setback. Okay, where where can I go? Where Where is my next path? Where can I go? So it's just always being aware, always knowing where you could go. You know, just, you know, if you have that setback, people tend to like to stay. No, like where is, where's, where, what can I do next? So always being aware and, and, and knowing where not, you're not always going to know. Cause you know, last year I didn't know where I was going to be here. So it's just always just up being up for the challenge. <laughs> Same thing with what you just said. Um, you know, we I want to we we both want to chase the Olympic A standard, of course. Mm-hmm. I want to keep chasing to be more confident to become a better me, mm-hmm. and not also just me becoming a better me, but also the people who I'm surrounded. I want to help them pursue their strengths and their goals as well, because I feel like you know when you both when when you have a group together that's there supporting you you know you you could help each other chase your dreams chase your goals you know but if you're gonna have someone that's gonna be like oh you're not gonna do it just you know putting you down and you know you can't have that in your life yeah you know you just have to have people that are very supportive and you're gonna get there you know you're gonna chase it you're gonna accomplish your dreams I agree well thank you both so 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 much for being on this podcast and um, just for kind of going along with it because it's still new yet. <laughs> yeah, um, awesome. thank you. Thank you for making us feel so comfortable. This yes. is, I mean, I do not like public speaking or doing anything. It's like really out of my, my, comfort um, zone. my yeah, my comfort zone. <laughs> I feel really uncomfortable, <laughs> um, but it's good, you know, like we're growing. So thank you for having us. Yeah, I'm super excited to share um, your story. Um, and I'm also really excited. I can't wait to see the house that you're going to live in together. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I hope you do post pictures of the track that you're going to build in your backyard. I think like, why not? Just do it. <laughs> Same with you with your boy twins. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Um, so it's been lovely talking to you guys, and I'll let you get on with the rest of your day because I know it's still early there yet, and you've got a lot of day left in front of you. Um, but it was really great talking to you guys. It you was great too. talking to you. Have a good rest Bye. of your day. Thanks. Bye. Bye. All right, everyone. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Regina and Sabrina. I had so much fun recording with them, and they really reminded me of how much of a sisterhood exists in the sport of running, both figuratively and literally. Tomorrow, I will be speaking with Lauren Floris, Regina and Sabrina's teammate, who also qualified for the Olympic trials only 16 months postpartum. I won't try to deny that we talk a lot of baby. I have serious baby fever, and I can't wait for my first, but I'm still in that season of life where I really should wrap up my schooling first. If it's not obvious, I'm basically trying to live vicariously through Lauren, who has managed to finish her master's, raise a beautiful baby girl, and qualify for the trials all in less than a year and a half. I think everyone will really appreciate Lauren's honesty when it comes to just how she managed to juggle so much. Hint, she doesn't care about iron clothes. Can I get an amen? Before I sign off here, one last reminder to please leave a rating and review for the show on iTunes. It really goes a long way in ensuring the show's longevity. All right, everyone, until tomorrow, whatever you are chasing, chase bravely.